Welcome to the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is brought to you by BasketballNews.com. This is episode number 36, and I'm excited to be joined by a good friend of mine. He's an NBA writer and a podcast host for The Athletic. He's also an instructor at the Sports Business Classroom, leading their scouting video and analytics program. My guest is the great Dave Dufour. You can follow him on Twitter at NBA. Dave, thanks for joining me. How are you? Man, I'm doing really well. Excited to be here. And, uh, you know, the finals have been fantastic through a couple of games. So uh, life is good, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, I'm excited as well. So right now the finals are 1-1. After what we've seen in the first two games, who do you have winning it all? And is it different from your initial projection going into this series? Um, man, I'm leaning warriors after seeing two games. I I think that they've just been better. Uh, you throw out that huge, ridiculous Boston fourth quarter in game one. And and I think that the series feels much different, um, than the one, one sort of series tie that we have right now. I just, I just feel like what they're doing offensively is more repeatable and they have Steph Curry, who's the best player in the series and has been the best player in the series so far. So Yeah, I'm leaning Warriors, and it's kind of where I was coming in. The Boston defense, I think we know, is special and tough, but with Rob Williams being limited and with the concerns about their offense, I mean, frankly, depending on Al Horford and Derek White to hit a bunch of threes to win game, the Warriors will live with that. And I think losing game one that way, it's a terrible way to lose, but you you walk away feeling pretty good about your game plan if that's what beat you. I just think that's repeatable for the Warriors, you know, more more than it is for Boston. I don't expect Al Horford to hit six threes again. I totally agree. Entering the playoffs, my pick was Warriors over Celtics in seven. So I'm just shocked that uh, these teams are even in it right now, <laughs> given that usually my picks are way off. But um, I think uh, I agree with you. This Warriors team, they just have so many guys that can step up. So early on, that's kind of why I was favoring them, just because this offense is so scary when they're clicking. But yeah, I have the, I you know, I, I still have this going seven games. Do you think we see this go seven games? I don't know um, if the defense for the Warriors continues to to hold up, which I don't see why it wouldn't. I, I think it'd be six. I, I think Warriors and six is certainly in play. You get to seven and it's a toss up. Yeah. I, I think the Warriors have been the better team so far through two games. I, I expect that to continue. I think Warriors and six is kind of where I'm feeling right now. Let's see game three though. Cause I might change my mind after that. I'm hoping we get some games that are down to the wire. Uh, it seems like so many games recently, you know, during the conference finals and, and during the finals even have been just blowouts. Why do you think we've seen so many blowouts in the last few weeks? Well, it's a high variance, man. Like you're getting a lot of threes and yeah. these guys, if they get hot, then you, you get these, these huge blowouts. And it does seem like teams are almost I'm not going to say pulling the plug earlier, but they certainly pull the plug. And, and I think that that kind of lends itself to, to the blowouts as well. Cause we're not, you know, a 20 point lead in the fourth quarter in the game the other night. And, the almost the entire fourth quarter was garbage time in a finals game. And it was because of that huge third. Cause remember it was only a two point game at halftime. This is back to back games like this. So just these, you know, it's, it's, it's again, it's the three, the three ball is, and I don't think it's too powerful. It just is what it is. And when you have teams shooting, I mean, combined 70 made threes through the first two games of the finals, it's, it shouldn't surprise anybody that, that you have these wild swings and blowouts. I mean, that is basketball. Steph Curry's record-breaking three-pointer, Jason Tatum's buzzer-beating alley-oop, 
John Morant's poster dunk. NBA Top Shot is where the greatest moments from NBA history are turned into officially licensed digital collectibles. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards and made it easier to buy, sell, and collect by removing the hassle of grading, shoeboxes, and shipping fees. You can buy or sell moments in a few clicks and access them at any time on your phone or computer. Your collection is always at your fingertips. Start collecting Top Shot moments in any way you want. Collect rookie moments from future stars like Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham. Collect throwback moments from former NBA stars like Shaq and Allen Iverson. Or collect moments from your favorite team to gain access to exclusive perks. Grab your starter pack today and Top Shot will give you $20 back to start your collection and pick up some of your favorite moments in the marketplace. Go to about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews and get in the game today. That's about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews. What are your thoughts on this Boston team and just what we've seen from them all season long? I mean, we, you know, during the first part of the season, they were really struggling. And then, you know, around mid-January, they really turned it on. And I think, you know, during the last few months of the season, they were, you know, the number one offense and number one defense in the NBA. What are your thoughts on this core and kind of what Brad Stevens has put together? Well, I mean, this, this core of Brown and Tatum and smart. And I'll even add Horford in there. I mean, cause he's been there for this run. Um, it's pretty obvious like that. They've, they've had a lot of success together and this is a super young team. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, when you look at their two cornerstones in, in Brown and Tatum guys are really young and they've got a hell of a resume already. Um, so I think that this is a continuation of, of what we've been seeing from them taken to the next level, the defense this year, one of the greatest defenses I've ever seen. It, it just, from a, a functional standpoint in the modern NBA, it is one of the best defenses we've seen. And it's funny to see what the Warriors offense is able to do to even this great defense. So I, I, I give Boston a lot of credit. They were able to build this from within. They drafted well. I mean, Jalen Brown, a lot of people scoffed at that pick. I think this is more of the team that Danny Ainge built. Yeah, I said Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens then right goal. away. I I, uh, I was thinking, you know, I really should have mentioned Danny Ainge. There. Yeah, well, uh, he's yeah, going mean, to get overlooked, man, because yeah. it, it's easy to make the joke of Danny Ainge never swung, you know, never swung on any of these big trades. He was always close. He almost always did this. But look at the track record, man. They, they've made a, a couple of conference finals. They've now made a finals. This is the team Danny Ainge built. So I think you got to give him some credit, too. But Ime Odoka has been the coach that this team needed. And so we shouldn't overlook that either because he was able to get them to the place that Brad Stevens couldn't. And he got him over the hump, got him into the finals. And some of that is Tatum and Brown just developing, being better players than they were a couple years ago. Um, but I think Ime also deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, once they bought into kind of his system and everything he was asking of them, that's when they kind of flipped the switch and like figured out his system. And, you know, you could tell that everyone had kind of bought in. And then, yeah, with Stevens, obviously, Ainge kind of assembled the the main core and, and some of the, you know, the star players. But um, I think Stevens deserves credit, too, for kind of hitting on uh, a lot of different moves during his first year as an executive. I know that, that's tough to do, making that jump from coaching to being an executive for the first time and, you know, making smart trades left and right, you know, early in the season, people were calling for this core to be broken up. People were saying, Oh, you should break up Tatum and Brown. He obviously didn't do that. You know, he trusted Marcus smart at point guard. He acquired Al Horford. You know, there were a lot of smart, you know, Derek white trade at the trade deadline. There were a lot mm -hmm. of moves that, that were made that were like complimentary pieces to put around this core. So what do you think of them going forward? You know, how, how do they stack up in your mind against their top young cores in the NBA? I mean, if we're including Time Lord in this, I think 
those three, I mean, this is, this should be a perennial conference finals, you know, sort of uh team. And, and the East is absolutely loaded because Milwaukee is going to be back next year. There's a chance that we're talking about the bucks right now. If Chris Middleton is healthy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I think that, you know, while nothing is a given ever in the NBA, this is a team that should be competing for finals berths for the next three or four years, at least. I mean, they're going to have some contract coming up soon. Al Horford, obviously pretty old and, and you can't expect to get this sort of performance out of him. Maybe even next year, um, much less two years from now. So I think that they they're going to have some internal decisions to make, but when you have that, that young core of Tatum Brown, Rob Williams and Marcus smart, frankly, still pretty young. Um, I, I think that's a, a, a great jumping off point uh, for them to just add role players. And, and frankly, they just need a couple more guys and, and they become one of the deeper talented teams in the league. So the sky's the limit, man. They, if they don't win the finals this year, they certainly could be right back there next year. Yeah. Both of these teams are a testament to, you know, good drafting and then surrounding your star players with, you know, the right talent, the right depth. Um, you know, both teams did such a great job putting these scores together. Uh, and for Golden State to not even get anything from James Wiseman and still be here is pretty impressive. I mean, it, it just shows uh, just how good that big three is. But um, moving, looking around the NBA, I want to ask you some questions about things that have been in the news recently. We saw Quinn Snyder step down from the Utah Jazz coaching job. Uh, now there's rumors. There have, been, there have been rumors about this team breaking up. You know, Donovan Mitchell is concerned about the future and kind of where things are headed. Rudy Gobert has been mentioned in trade rumors. What do you think we see from Utah this offseason? You know, do they run it back with the new head coach and try to see if that fixes things? There was a report from Jake Fisher that they want, you know, multiple all-stars in the all-star game whenever it's played in Utah. So that could, you know, change their timeline a little bit. But what do you think we see from the Jazz this offseason? Well, I think the the biggest thing that that you're going to see is that Donovan Mitchell is going to play a, a large role in in the choice of the next coach. Whether that's good or bad uh, remains to be seen. But it was telling to me that immediately after Quinn Snyder stepped down, the first reports of Donovan Mitchell being unnerved by the situation in Utah came out. I mean, it was minutes. Yeah. Yep. The news. So I, I think it's you know it's all pretty open. Um, what's, what's happening here. We know how the NBA works. We know how the player empowerment PR cycle works. Like we know exactly what's happening here. Uh, you mentioned Utah wanting multiple all-stars. Yeah, they, they certainly do. And, and, but I would say this might be, uh, a, a, this might be something where they hire a coach this summer. They make some stopgap moves. And then next summer, we're talking about Donovan Mitchell asking for a trade. And I don't think that that's even a hot take. It seems pretty obvious that that's where we're heading. So they got to get through the all-star game. And we kind of saw this with member of Charlotte with Kemba Walker. And I think that you will get through the all-star game and then the rumors will start to fly about next summer. That's my expectation. I don't know who the coach is going to be, but I guarantee that it's someone that's at least in the orbit or, or has a past relationship with Donovan Mitchell. That'd be my guess. Yeah. I know people are throwing out uh, CAA possibilities too. Like, you know, that his camp could be pushing like Johnny Bryant, I think was mentioned. He's already popped up as someone that's getting interviewed. So yeah. And Johnny Bryant any, has, he has a history there, right? Like has connections he, to Mitchell too. Yeah. yeah so, so it makes a lot that's of That's not a bad choice. Yeah, exactly. And, and now some of this, and I, again, I'm not 
not knocking it. This is this is how it works when you have leverage. Um, but there are really good coaches out there, good assistants with great reputations that have worked for Utah in the past that have good relationships with Donovan Mitchell. Nothing wrong with bringing those guys in. But to me, when you look at just how everything has kind of started to trickle out with the reporting and whatnot, it, it certainly seems like Donovan Mitchell is going to be asking for a trade at some point, um, whether that's this summer or next summer. I just, you know, I, he just doesn't seem like a guy that's going to be in Utah long-term to me. Yeah, and it feels like kind of the the comments that they're putting out there, that his camp are kind of floating out there about him being unnerved and all that. It's almost like setting the stage for that. Like, oh, we really didn't expect this. And it feels like they're kind of using that playbook that we've seen so many stars use before they right. request that trade. So it's, you know, when the time does come, the fans are understanding or sympathetic of the player. Like, well... He did everything he, he you know, he, he tried to do everything <laughs> right here and uh, they, they just kept uh, messing up and uh, not getting his opinion on things. And da, da, da. like, I think he did everything. Of, you know, you can say that he did everything yeah. except for try to play defense. <laughs> yeah. And pass the Rudy Gobert. And uh, right. yeah. Yeah. What do you, th- I'm, I'm curious. I feel like um, I'm, I'm so, I, I feel like uh, Rudy Gobert is such an interesting player because you look at like NBA Twitter during games and it's just people clowning him left and right. I think a lot, a lot of that is, you know, like casual fans watching inside the NBA where he just constantly mocked and talked about being overpaid and and things like that. Um, I also think his game is just not that sexy. So people aren't, you know, there there's Utah jazz fans like him, but a lot of fans that just watch the NBA, they're like, yeah, I'm not a big go bear fan, even though he is a great defender and has basically been their defense in recent years, hasn't had a whole lot of help. What are your thoughts on kind of Gobert's value if they do try to shop him as well? I think he's someone that could be very interesting for a number of these teams that are trying to kind of add that one last piece. Uh, What are your thoughts on kind of his value and what we could see this offseason if he does get shopped? I mean, the guy's a top five defense by himself in the regular season alone because that's he was the only guy playing defense for Utah all year. We know this. It's been like this. Yeah. Um, you add him to a team that has any sort of defense, and you probably have the best defense in the league. And for all of the concerns about his lack of versatility or whatever, we still have not seen him work with perimeter defenders at all. So, you know, I look at teams like Dallas. Oh, if they could somehow get Rudy Gobert. They're in business. Chicago, I know, has been floated out there as a team yeah. that's interested. Man, he'd be great there with Caruso and Lonzo. I mean, and even like Zach Levine tries on defense. So just giving him some people that'll put forth some effort uh, would just be a big difference. So I, I think trading Rudy Gobert would be a colossal mistake. And I know that the contract number is large and it, it, basketball fans have not been educated in basketball in the same way that football fans have. So basketball fans just see the finish of the play and they assume that whoever is near the ball when it goes in the basket is responsible for the ball winding up in the basket uh, on the defensive end. They miss the 50 actions that get them there and the four other players standing around doing nothing. And Rudy Gobert running all over the place trying to solve all these problems. He, it's whack-a-mole for Rudy Gobert. And uh, I think that fans just don't know what they're watching. So when you, when you talk about fans and, and people on Twitter, there's that. There's also the fact that he's French. I think that that plays into it. Um, but but the bigger thing is nobody knows what they're watching. I, I want your thoughts on this because I see sometimes on Twitter you talk about this, just the 
NBA media landscape a bit. And I think that ties into this because I do think there's a very, there's a lack of teaching and a lot of the, a lot of the shows out there and especially like the really big national voices from with, with some of the biggest platforms, it's all like narrative legacy talk and things like that. Um, do you wish there was more teaching from NBA broadcasts? And um, cause I think the NFL does a great job with that. Like you, they break down plays really well. There's not a ton of negativity. Like you see former stars in the NFL praising today's current stars and raving about what they're able to do well. You know, I think if you turn an NBA game on, the broadcasts are so negative and everyone's overpaid and today's era isn't as good as previous eras. Like what are your thoughts on kind of just the the way that that conversation and the discourse kind of affects fans? That's a good question. And, you know, I don't take in a lot of other sports media. I, I'm not like a sports media consumer. You and I have had this conversation um, in Vegas, actually, right. in person. I'm not a huge sports media consumer. I didn't Neither. come into this as a, like, I'm not a journalist. I'm a basketball coach. I got into this kind of sideways. So my habits and the way I look at things are totally different. And, and look, man, I'm not knocking anybody who runs bits. I run bits. That's one of my, my things. Right. But I just tend to focus on the positive and the joyful and I try to educate, but in a way that is accessible. So I don't like to use insider terms. And if I do, I want to explain it fully. You know what I mean? I, I really want there's, and maybe this is just NBA Twitter, or maybe this is just how things work when people are like just too consumed by it. But the idea of being a casual fan, um, it seems like it's a bit of a scarlet letter for people who watch the NBA. And there's a lot of gatekeeping that happens uh, against people who want to just watch the game casually. Now, you asked if I thought there should be more education. There's a lot of education out there. I just don't necessarily know how much of it is any good. And I don't know if people actually want that for the NBA. Um, the NBA might just need... like You watch TV, and I mean, there are clips flying around all the time of, of guys doing their shtick. And, and then there's also the guy, the negative, the, the former players that go negative and they talk about how, well, back in my day and blah, blah, blah. So I know the stuff that you're talking about, it's kind of gross. It's yeah. not fun. It's not joyful. It doesn't celebrate the game. It doesn't point out the, the positives and the fun. Um, but we've been conditioned to, uh, to think that media has to be some fake debate. I don't get it, man. I, there is no debate to me. I, I'm a guy that's sitting here giving you my opinion, um, a, an educated opinion um, in, in my in my own opinion, but I'm giving you an opinion. Um, what is there to debate? We'll just talk it through. And I think if you just had more of that and less of this heated, you know, uh, social media content is essentially what they're producing because they, what they want is they want to have this three minute clip to put on Twitter to right. get people talking about it because then they can show that, to advertisers, hey, look, this three-minute clip got 11 million views in 12 hours. Give me more money. And what, what gets money on social media? Being negative, making someone mad. I mean, we all know all this. I mean, going yeah. back to you know the 2016 election, that the whole point of social media and all of their algorithms is to get people mad. And so when you see the media play into that, for their own benefit. I mean, it is smart. That's the game. It's like SEO. It's smart, but it's ruined the internet. And now you see where it's, it just kind of poisoned the discourse. And for some reason, the NFL, I feel like they're not as susceptible to it 
Yeah. But it's because there's so much more value in the games and the games are more straightforward to watch. You've got all this downtime where each play can be broken down in the NBA. You don't have that. And when you do get play breakdowns, it's here and there it's hit or miss. And basketball is a more complicated game. I would, I would argue than football football has more moving pieces, but everyone's kind of moving in the same direction in basketball. You might have scoring plays that have the offensive player starting out going away from the basket. And I think that that, that difference should be uh, kept in mind when we talk about a more educational experience as far as for the, the fan or viewer. I think aiming to casuals is the better way to do this. And part of that is keep it fun. Keep the joy. And then this is, this is what I try to do. I don't know about everybody else because I really just don't listen or watch a lot of people, but the ones I do watch tend to tend to lean that way. So, you know, if you were asking me how to clean it up, how to make it better, I think treat, treat it like you're talking to someone who doesn't live and breathe basketball, right? Instead of everything just being tailored toward the hardcore. And, you know, I, I just, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I would argue that with my track record, I, I seem to be on the right path. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think it's very well said. Um, one last basketball question for you. Then I want to transition over to sports business classroom. Um, are the Lakers kicking themselves right now? Uh, because Quinn Snyder just became available. There was all these rumors that Snyder could be their next coach. And uh, I think maybe they moved on when they thought he wasn't going to be available. They went and hired Darvin Ham, who is a great hire. You know, I, I, I think a lot of the players uh, wanted him and he's been widely respected and talked about as uh, an up and coming coach for, for several years now. So it's not a bad hire, but now that Quinn Snyder, a coach that's been super successful is out there. Do you think they're kicking themselves a bit? You know what, man? I'm not sure. Because what if Quinn Snyder didn't view the Lakers as a good fit? I mean, you and I know how this works, right? Like, there's no way that the Lakers and Quinn Snyder didn't have some kind of conversation at some point. The rumors were out there, and those rumors come out for a reason. Um, Everyone does all their work through the media. So, you know, we know why the rumors came out. So, I don't know if they're kicking themselves because maybe he just wasn't an option for them. And, and they should. That makes sense. Darvin Ham is going to be a good coach. I, I firmly believe it. Uh, I know a lot of people that worked with him in Milwaukee. They, they believe in this guy's just leadership ability. I think that, that being able to manage egos, I mean, he played in the league. So, you know, we've seen a lot of guys with that sort of success and he's got coaching experience. Uh, I look at what Willie Green was able to do in New Orleans as a first year head coach coming off being an assistant for a few years. Uh, being able to relate, but also having the X and O's that you need as a head coach, the ego management stuff. Like again, these guys who are former players who then went and sat on the bench, they kind of, they, they have a different path to being a coach than, than some of these other folks. So I, I hope that the Lakers aren't kicking themselves. Cause I think Darvin Ham is going to be a good coach, whether he's a good coach for this particular Lakers team or not. That's debatable. I don't know. It's a, that's a tough task for a first year head coach to take on a team that's got LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it. Um, but I, I really hope that they're feeling good about, about their uh, new coach, because I, I think he's going to be good. Yeah. It did seem like the Lakers wanted uh, someone with playing experience. Uh, a lot of the names that, you know, were linked to the Lakers or were interviewed were people that, you know, played in the league. So I think that was important for them too, as far as, you know, reaching the players and, and kind of having that experience. So yeah, I think he's going to do a great job as well. And some team is going to get a great coach in Quinn Snyder. Um, I'm curious to see where he lands. San Antonio has been mentioned too. If, you know, he's taking over for Popovich, potentially there's been a lot of rumors out there. So we'll see what happens with that. 
The NBA Draft is rapidly approaching, and you've got the chance to experience it like never before with NBA Experiences. Get access to premium in-arena hospitality at the Barclays Center, a draft stage photo op, meet and greets with NBA legend Dominique Wilkins and five-time champion Ron Harper, and much more with the NBA Experiences ticket package. Head over to nbaexperiences.com slash bballnews to lock in an incredible draft experience. That's nbaexperiences.com slash bballnews. So I want to talk to you about the sports business classroom. Um, the last few years, I have been able to uh, head out there to Vegas, as you mentioned, and uh, spend a day or two with you guys. And I, I think it's the coolest program. Uh, I wish I had known about it or it had been around when I was younger because I absolutely would have went through it. Uh, for people that don't know what the sports business classroom is, can you kind of uh, give a rundown? Yeah, sports business classroom is an immersive educational basketball experience that's live and embedded in Las Vegas Summer League. And you can learn CBA mastery from Larry Kuhn, literally the guy who wrote the FAQ on the collective bargaining agreement that NBA teams use. Like Larry Kuhn teaches NBA teams how to manage the salary cap and, and the CBA. Uh, that's the best guy in the world to learn from. And, and in sports business classroom, you can do exactly that. I run the scouting video and analytics department, and I bring in former and current NBA personnel. We have Seth Part now teaching analytics. Dan Purcell is my lead scout, and he actually teaches how to compile scouting reports. And more importantly for NBA teams is he actually teaches you how to do your expense reports which is a whole nother wrinkle to scouting that, that most people don't know. And then we do video coursework where we break down like how to identify NBA skills. And then Bo Estes leads our media and broadcasting and social media major, where obviously you're embedded in summer league for the full week, calling games, doing game broadcasts with, with the likes of Mark Jones, calling games right next to you, uh, learning how teams and the league use social media. I and mean, it's just a, it's a fantastic program that, like you said, I don't, it didn't exist before this program started. Uh, and to my knowledge, no other sport has anything like it. So I think it's pretty special. And I was a student in 2016. That's how I got into it. Um, so I'm actually a believer in this because it's part of why I'm sitting here talking to you right now. Well, there's so many people that I've talked to that either work, you know, around the NBA or have went on to do successful things in media, like the, the alumni from this program, it's a really impressive group. So, uh, and I know that Larry and Eric Pincus and the people that are involved with SBC, you know, become great references for a lot of these people. Like the, the, I know the, the group kind of sticks together going forward and they can really help you when you're talking about trying to get jobs and things like that. I, I do think that that SBC stamp of approval really does matter to a lot of people. Absolutely. When internships pop up, we get phone calls, we get text messages, we get emails. Who do you have? Our people will apply for jobs. The first people getting a phone call on the reference, they see SBC on the reference sheet. They're hitting up Larry Kuhn. Hey, how was this? How was this lady? Was she, was she good in your class? Does she work well with other people? Um, we, we have prided ourselves on actually putting people into jobs, but we've also built a network of SBC students who have helped each other get jobs. We have groups of people that have started podcasts together. We have uh, groups of people that started a, a website doing uh, CBA salary cap work, no trade clause. I mean, we, we have gotten 
to this point since 2016, I mean, we have over 400 students and they network together. That to me is our real calling card. Not just that we get people NBA jobs, but we're actually building a network of the next generation of NBA personnel because we're getting people into internships. We have uh, GMs of G League teams, assistant GMs, scouts. We're in video rooms. I mean, we're all over the league now uh, with our people that we work with for a week. So we get to vouch for what you're like to work with. Do you work well with others? Because we have a big group of students. We get to see all this stuff and it's actual work experience where you get to learn as well. I think it's a truly special program. Yeah. The mock trade deadline that you guys do, I was able to be part of it a few years ago. Uh, and I know it's changed a little bit uh, You know, before each, each team kind of had like someone that worked in basketball that was assisting them and you know, the teams basically were all making trades, but can you kind of talk about that mock trade deadline and what that entails? Well, yeah, we have advanced so far since that first one where we were sticking experts with the teams, man, the students are experts now. They, they come are. in I'm, and they know their stuff, man. They really and do. It's a, I was always, I was blown away. Like these are some of the most ambitious and knowledgeable, you know, people when it comes to basketball, like they all want to be GMs or work in front office someday. Like they know the CBA front and back. Like I was blown away by just how knowledgeable the students were. Yeah. And I'm impressed by their resumes quite often. And then they come in with, with a certain sense of humility, but then they put in all this work ahead of time. I, we've had, uh, we have impressive students. Let's just say that our application process is stringent and we get to choose. And so the guys that come in and, and the girls that come in, Man, we we have the best of the best. And so we no longer stick them with experts. We've created a term project that lasts the entire week. And you have a presentation. And, and essentially, you're, you're assigned a team. And you have tasks given to you uh, based on goals of the current team. And you set up. You have two presentations. You have a midterm and a final. And in your midterm, you present your course of action for our mock trade deadline, mock offseason. And then at the end... You let us know how it went when you actually had to go through the trial by fire of our mock trade line, trade deadline mock offseason. And so we get to see, here's your plan. Here was your action. And now let's reconcile that and let us know where were your successes? Where were your failures? And then we, we give out a grade based on that. And we have NBA folks. Uh, I think last year we had uh, Ryan McDonough was one of the judges, Seth Part now. I mean, we, we really have experts letting you know how well you did. And this models sort of the NBA process where, you know, you've got to have a course of action. You need a plan, plan A, plan B, plan Z. And we put them through their paces. And I mean, last year was our first year doing this huge term project and it was an overwhelming success. And so we're running that back. We think it's a huge add to the program and, and our students get more and more out of it every year. So um, this year, I'm really excited, man. We're, this is going to be our best year yet. I love it. Yeah, I would say if you're if you're someone that wants to work in basketball or you're, you know, curious about different careers in basketball, there's no better program to go to just because, you know, you get hands-on experience. There you have the best speakers and and teachers around. I I'm, I'm always blown away when I go. Usually I go and I spend like one or two days there and I'm always mad when I have to leave because there's inevitable, you know, there's great speakers that are coming through and you have to just, you know, go back to covering summer league and you're like, "Oh, but I want to stay here." And listen to all these people that are coming through here. Like some of the speakers you guys have is ridiculous. Like there's always GMs coming through. Uh, Adam Silver has come by there. Like, can you kind of speak to some of the speakers that have been there? Uh, I mean, 
everyone. George Rathlin, <laughs> yeah. um, we've Pretty Adam Silver. GM. It's crazy. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is a is a regular guest. I mean, Neil Olshay. I mean, Masai Ujiri. I mean, basically anyone who's anyone in the NBA has been in our program, dropped in, you know, given a talk, done an interview, done a lecture. Kirk Goldsberry for analytics. I mean, we we really, and it's because they know what we're doing and they want to be a part of it. This is there. No one's forcing them to come and, and talk to our class, but they know the goal of the program. We're trying to get new blood into the NBA and into basketball generally, because we put people in colleges. We put people overseas. I mean, we, we're really just, we are sending folks out of SBC with the tools, the skills and the work product to get jobs. You, you got a, it's a resume builder for a week. So when, when these people come through, to me, they're not the highlight of the week. It, it's nice. It's great to see Adam Silver. But the highlight of the week for students, what they're actually getting, the, the thing that they're, the value they're getting for their money in our program is the work, the work experience, the work product, and the internal networking. Our staff, I want to call out our staff. Our staff is the most generous staff. Like This is the most generous group of people with time. I've ever been around. Uh, I routinely have seen, you know, Larry Kuhn, 6 a.m. sitting around with a couple of students having coffee and yeah. talking things out. Jeff Fellinzer, he has office hours in the morning and at night in Vegas. I mean, he, he, he will post up in the corner of a diner and he'll have like 10 students around him. And this is the kind of stuff that we can't even really advertise that because you don't understand it until you're there and you're in it. What are office hours? People find out. And to get that sort of time with a guy like Larry Kuhn, a guy like Eric Pincus, Bo Estes, Jeff Fellinser, Seth Partnow, Dan Purcell. I mean, these guys have done it. They've been there. And you get one-on-one -on -one time with them. And we also, we, we added one-on-ones with people from the league that are currently working for teams. I mean, we've had GMs that spend an hour of their time talking to students one-on-one. -on -one. Nothing like it in the world. So we're, we're pretty lucky to have a lot of generous people working with us and, and given their time. The NBA is actually great for that. I mean, these drop-ins, they really want us to make the program special. They want to be a part of that. And, and we love that. I mean, we accept them. And uh, it feels like a family. It's one of the few things that really does feel like a family. Yeah. And I'm always, I'm always blown away by the generosity too. Like you said, you know, uh, just mentoring these students. Um, Bo is the best as well. I've worked with Larry and Eric in the past at um, different websites, Basketball Insiders, Hoops World. So, you know, that's how I got to know them really well and, and how I got involved. Last year, Nikias Duncan and I spoke to the, the students. Um, you know, Bo, who runs the media side of things, asked us to come speak and kind of share our journeys, our sports writing uh, path and all that. Uh, and we're going to be back this year kind of talking to the students as well. So, it's always fun to be involved with this. Uh, again, like I, I love everyone that's kind of involved in it. So every time I get a chance to, to go over there and, and spend a few, spend some time with you guys, it's always awesome. So yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on and kind of talking about it. Uh, for people that are interested, I know signups are available or are open right now. Can you kind of uh, tell people where to go if they want more information or if they want to sign up? Yeah, it's very easy. Go to sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Check it out. The registration's there. You can go through the course syllabus and you can actually see what the courses are with vivid descriptions of what's happening in these classes. And again, it's hands-on. It's immersive. You're in the summer league. And it, this is as close as you can get 
without buying a ticket. And it's even closer than if you bought a ticket. I mean, you're really in the guts of the building. So um, encourage everyone to go check that out. Sportsbusinessclassroom.com. I love it. Uh, thanks so much for joining me, man. I appreciate you, you know, talking some basketball with me, breaking down the SBC. Uh, this was a great time. Thanks so much. We actually have a code from the Sports Business Classroom uh, for $300 off. So if you are interested and you want to sign up today, uh, use the code front office. It's all in one word, front office, and you'll get $300 off your purchase. So if you're interested in uh, attending Sports Business Classroom, which is July 10th through 15th in Las Vegas, uh, check out the website. And again, use that code front office. Uh, for $300 off. That's all one word, front office. Yeah, man, this was fun. We should do this more often. No, absolutely. I appreciate it. Everyone follow Dave on Twitter at DaveD4NBA and check out his excellent work at The Athletic. And as he mentioned, for more information on the Sports Business Classroom, check out sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Signups are open right now. Again, if you want to work in basketball, even if you're just curious about it, if you think, hey, I would love to work in media or I'd love to work in a front office or some kind of NBA-related career, go to this program. They will help you so much. They will, uh, you'll, you'll learn about jobs you didn't even know existed. That's what I always think is cool too. Everyone kind of goes in thinking, oh, I want to be a GM. And then by the end of the week, you have your mindset on totally different jobs in basketball that you didn't even know were out there. So it's an amazing program. I can't recommend it enough. We'll have a link in the description as well. So be sure to check that out. And if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.